Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Beverly Sheet. I'm looking at uh, one of my guests here, and I startled him. But I hope I startled you too. Pay attention, because today's topic is serious. My name is Nate Lockhart, and uh, I am your host, of course. And across the way from me is... I am Andy Parks. I'm a good friend of Nate's from college and beyond. Yeah, and you know about some stuff. Yeah, I've been on the podcast before. This isn't pure nepotism, folks. <laughs> uh, and then I'll cross I'll the, uh, the other way across from me. I'm Trey Whittish. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on the show. It has show. been a while. It's been too long. Yeah. It's been too yeah, long. Yeah, I think last time I recorded something yeah. was in January. We, we've been talking on and off about uh, other shows we, we could do, but yeah. I've, I just haven't... I, I'm not prepared enough yet well, for it. Yeah, there's plenty of time. We'll cross that bridge. <laughs> yes, we will. Um, so today's topic is about records and vinyl collecting, yes. but before that, it's time for the Week in Geek. What have we got for uh, the week of April 11th? It's not so much what has happened before in the Week in Geek, it is what will happen this Week in Geek. Uh-huh. Uh, I am, of course, referring to the fact that on April 5th, 2063, humans <laughs> will make first contact with an alien race, and that will be the Vulcans. Uh, it will wow. happen near a uh, missile silo, a former missile silo, missile silo in uh, Montana. Three, oh, it's not Three Mile Island. No, no, no. Oh. There's, a, there's a, a decommissioned. That's what I was looking for. A decommissioned missile silo in Montana that will launch the first spaceship that to achieve faster than light travel. It will startle the Vulcans. They will come and see who did this, and we will begin the Star Trek universe. Wow. Yeah. Can't wait. Hope I'm I live that. Long. Super excited. If you, yeah. to, this is from the movie Star Trek: First Contact, which is one of the most watchable Star Trek movies that has been made. I've had that sucker on VHS for years, thanks to you, and I still haven't watched it's it. It's a dynamite film. I, I, I know. I think you'd enjoy it. I'm just gonna hum the theme song, but I think the wrong one's in my head. Yeah. So shut up. Oh. <laughs> I think I was about to hum yeah. Superman instead. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, I could, I, that that music works good for the Enterprise. Yeah. I can see it zooming by and hearing the Superman theme song. I think a lot um, of them work. Uh, more related to our current topic, we have the Zombies album, Art- Odyssey and Oracle, yes. misspelled Odyssey, Yes, Odyssey and Oracle, yes. which came out uh, this week in 1968, 50 years ago. And that album is great. Good little bit of uh, Baroque pop, psychedelic yeah. pop music. I wonder who made the mistake. Uh, the painter? The painter? I, I think it might have been the, the marketing the, guy? I, I think it might have been the album artist who did oh, that. Okay. And then they saw it and yeah. like, well... This is going to take a year. It's going to take forever to fix. So let's, just, let's just roll with it. Yep. So that came out. And yes. also, you were saying April 11th, 1970? Yes. The Beatles Let It Be single hit number one. Mm. Stayed there for two weeks. It's, I think. A, it's a great song, that one. Yes. Probably the version with the harsher guitar solo in it, I bet. Produced by Phil Spector as a verse to the George Martin produced Yeah, version. I'm guessing. Since yeah. that whole album was shelved for a while. Yeah. So yeah, it's a very interesting. Probably story. the Phil Spector produced version came out. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Let It Be? I long time ago. Yeah. I think like you know when all when we first found out about VH1 Classic that was on it a lot. Uh, I was like, okay, yeah. well I'm gonna watch yeah. all of these on yeah, VH1 yeah. Classic. I'd be curious to see just to see what it looks like. You know, just to see what a band falling apart looks like. Yeah, yeah, I you know what I was I was young, so I don't. I remember what I remember most is the rooftop concert from the end of it. Yeah, you know, no. I, 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 it's iconic. Uh, I got a feeling is my favorite song. Oh, that me album. too. So watching that I on the roof is uh, great. So that's what I remember. From yeah, that's, that's a great tune. Uh, anything else about Vulcans, Andy? 
Oh, I, I could be here all night. We could, I could come and do the podcast. <laughs> Moving about on Vulcans, until the next we'll, topic. We won't do oh. that. <laughs> we'll have Pete her on here. You can talk about. Vulcans oh my gosh, him. I know, Vulcans. right? Oh. Yeah, for, forever and <laughs> ever. Can't threaten me with a good time. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought we could launch off this podcast about records, vinyls, vinyl collecting, all that kind of stuff. We're talking a little bit about, you know, what what do we like about records? What 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 do we enjoy about collecting them? What do we enjoy about listening to them? What are some thoughts? Well, I I don't I like them. I find it's good. I'm glad to you're me. Here. Yeah, to <laughs> me, it's it's the best way to listen to the music I like. I love yeah. listening to you know it's you know you're gonna hear it's nothing new or groundbreaking, but mm. I mean I love listening to the Allman Brothers at Fillmore East on mm. vinyl mm. or a Buddy Miles live album that's never been on CD that I love. All that yeah. that type of stuff. If that's the I see, think the best way to listen to the music that I like to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something about hearing, hearing the, the crowd noise with the pops and the crackles coming off of the yeah. record, mm-hmm. um, is just uh, it's a more immersive experience for mm-hmm. me. Uh, Drew was I was talking to uh, Drew was a previous guest uh, slash my brother in law. Drew was talking about possibly being on this podcast so he gave me little things that he wanted to say mm-hmm. and something that he constantly came back to was just the the tactile nature of vinyl the fact that you know when you hold a record in your hand it is a pure physical representation of the music you're going to listen to mm-hmm. yes. it is the sound waves stamped into a slab of well either shellac or plastic or whatever mm-hmm. um and there's something really neat, almost alchemical about that. Yeah. You know, um, I do think too that that physical nature and the fact that you can only store about like 20 to 30 minutes per side, you know, meaning you have to get up and flip it and all that. I think it sort of makes listening to music a more active experience. Yes. Listening oh, yeah. to recorded music is a more active experience. And I really appreciate that about, uh, about vinyl. What yeah, about, when yeah. I'm listening to vinyl, music is much more than background noise. Mm-hmm. Um, much more like intentional when listening. I want something on in the background I'll you know call up Spotify oh, sure. put it on in the background when yeah, I want to sit and listen to what I'm listening to and enjoy it and just you know I guess for lack of a better term get lost go into a trance yeah it's vinyl mm-hmm. yep I remember uh, back in college me and my good friend Tristan I don't know if he's listening but uh, if you are hi but he would come over and bring like incense and so we yeah. would light incense and listen to old psychedelic records yep. and stuff that's another big part and of drink it. tequila yeah <laughs> that's another big part of it a lot of the re- old records yeah. you buy at a shop smell like the incense already oh as my soon god as you pull yeah. them out of the sleeve, from a certain the, era boy how do you do and the that patchouli yeah. and everything it's yeah. the smell like yeah. it's just depends on the era and the genre yeah you're it, that's yeah. just part of the experience. Oh, know? for sure, for sure. I feel like I'm at the Fillmore West when I'm listening <laughs> to records. And if you, if yeah. you smell it too hard, you might uh, transport yourself there. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, Andy, what do you like about records? Um, I grew up with them. My, my dad yeah. had a whole bunch of records. My dad was, not to you know get too into family details, but he was mm-hmm. uh, drafted into Vietnam. He got his, uh, his training and everything. He was going to be an Army medic. He got all of his training, and his, he was stationed in Germany. He was just about to go into Vietnam, and the, they called the war off. So he didn't actually have to mm. see combat or anything. No. Oh. So he got congratulations. To, yeah, <laughs> you lucky son of a gun. Yeah. yeah, and they they told all the service members who were uh, able to come home. They said, travel around Europe, do whatever you want to do. Whenever you're ready to come back, we have a, a, a ticket for you. 
So he just traveled around Europe and he got uh, these great speakers from Germany and he got all these like oh man all these random uh, records from all all over Europe in uh, geez I don't even know what year it was it's probably Lucky like he's son of a gun seventy <laughs> something I don't know yeah whatever it was he anyway he had a very extensive record collection so I grew up around all these records. Um, and as a little kid, obviously you, you you want the little kid stuff. So we uh, the Beach Boys Christmas album was a staple in our house, and yeah. uh, to the point that he uh, pretended to lose it for a few years just because he couldn't bear to hear it again. <laughs> um, but no, I mean I, I've had it around, and I uh, I love listening to vinyl because you're right, it's such an active experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I love um, entertaining, having people over to my house, and uh, and having records on because what you can mm-hmm. do it it forces you to get up and flip the record every 20 to 30 minutes it it, yeah. it creates natural breaks in in conversation and like a natural like, yeah. kind of like recentering of things and mm-hmm. um i uh and and to drew's point i i love that it, it is this physical representation i i find myself lately digitizing as much of my media as i can in terms of movies and music uh that i have on cd but i don't have an urge to I'm doing that with my movies and whatnot so I can get rid of them like I want to digitize mm, yeah. them and, and make the physical copies go away I want to have less physical yeah. stuff in my house but especially when it comes to DVDs DVDs oh. feel so inconsequential yep they, they do because they're yeah. just yeah there's nothing special about them I suppose yeah, right yeah um but when but I, for the content on that disc, yeah. the, the disc itself, there's nothing special about the disc itself absolutely but yeah anyway. something about a record like the yeah. um, and especially records that were made um, in the 60s and 70s and 80s when you had an analog recording Mm-hmm. Placed on on what you said, plastic or shellac or whatever. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, by, to buy current stuff on vinyl, you're, it's taking digital music and putting it on, right. on a record, which does not nearly have the charm as an analog uh, recording me transferred no. to vinyl. But um, no, it's it's just such a great experience, and and mm-hmm. and not to keep parroting what you guys have said, but no, I, I find myself actively listening. I put a record on. And I sit there and I just kind of stare at the ground and listen to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not washing the dishes. I'm not, you know, reading, yeah. or not reading a book and having it on in the background. That that's what streaming services are for. But no. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 for sure. But no, I, I just I love having it. I, I I tend to think of records to me are sort of the ultimate souvenir for a piece of music you like. Yes. You know what I mean? Like if you really like this this music, if you like this this artist, whatever. You get the record because right. that's sort of I don't know why because it's not exact. I mean, really, if you want the ultimate representation of of the music, you would probably get like the master tapes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but but the record if, with a record, you just feel so much closer to that. And again, something about the physical representation of the music right. engraved into it adds to that mystique. I think too of, of being an ultimate souvenir inherent in it is it's something you're going to protect anyway because of its mm-hmm. size. Yeah, um, it's it's substantial can... enough that like like yeah, I, I'm glad you bring up the size because yeah. it's substantial enough that you can really look at it. It's something yes. you can look at it and and sort of survey. Right, but it's not so big that you can't store it pretty easily. Right, right, you exactly. And there's other stuff like I say with like CDs. Like I can't tell you like how many CDs I've owned that I've scratched up because mm-hmm. you're listening to to one in the car and you're switching and changing to another CD. And yeah. in terms of convenience, you pull the CD out and you throw Toss it on it. the seat. Yeah. And it sits on the seat and you forget about it and it gets scratched up, or you throw it in the glove box and it gets scratched up and then yeah. it's unlistenable. Uh, when you're done with a record, you're going to put it away and take care of yeah. it. Yeah. And so you, it's something that if if you it, it's it's I guess it's more imperative just in the type of media it is that you're going to take care of it. And mm-hmm, so you're going to, mm-hmm. it's going to last you longer than, than some CD that's going to get beaten up. Yeah. Because the CD is so 
easily duplicated. It's so easily replaced. Right. Yes. yes. There, there's there's it's nothing. Just, yeah. Nothing special or charming about a CD. Yeah. It's, it, no. it's just it's just ones and zeros. That could be. That's very easily replaceable. Right. right. You can repeat the ones and zeros. <laughs> yes. And, and, I, and I like. There's nothing fancy right. about that. I like that because in 2001, my parents bought a CD or my parents bought a a, a PC that had a CD burner on it, so I could yes. make my own mix CDs. Yep. Not like you know my the people five ten years younger th- or yeah. older than me rather who had to you, you make use cassettes and hold microphones up to the speakers yeah. on the radio like yeah. I was or wire your radio through the right cassette deck right. but whatever yeah so, anyway, I mean, yeah so as a sophomore in high school I was able to put together compilation CDs yeah that sounded every bit as good as as any you know Hollywood soundtrack that yeah. was put together yep. yeah um they, they weren't uh, thrice duped over right. right yeah and and that was fun to do but it I mean. I'm not going to give give up my soundtracks on vinyl. No, um, no, because there's something inherently different about that, right. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's harder to digitize them. Like you can, dig- I like I my whole music collection of CDs is digitized, so I went and got rid of them like a few yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, two hundred C- two hundred two hundred CDs. Gone. Why? Yeah, like they're all digitized. So if I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have given that way that that one away, or I shouldn't have you know sold that one. I'd like to listen to it in my car again. I can yeah. burn it again because it's yeah. on my computer with a CD. Right. Burn. I do know there are some CD collectors out there. One yeah. of my uh, my cousin's husband, um, yeah. uh, Mark, he um, he collects CDs actively, yeah. um, which we talked about a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't quite. The appeal to me isn't quite there. Well, I, yeah. I, I would love to have him on and have him talk about. Why he enjoys it? Yeah, because I'm sure it's I'm, because of course it's valid. But well, yeah, you know. there's a business for it. Have you you've, have yeah. you ever heard of Frisbees? It's on Elmwood. It's a no. mu- it's music store, but it's primarily no. used CDs. Really, it's primarily used CDs. The guy has some vinyl, but I think the vinyl is all from uh, like his buddy's record store in Niagara Falls that he just takes uh, some and sells yeah. it in the store. Frisbees, it, it's a great Frisbees, name. but it's mi- <laughs> it's CDs. His business yeah. is CDs. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, huh. It's an interesting business model for this. I mean, it is, yeah. but he's yeah. been doing well. I mean, Record Theater used Good to buy. Him. CDs all the time. Oh, I think yeah. they paid a little too much for them, which is why they're closed now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This Frisbee doesn't pay as much Especially as now. Yeah. Record Theater does, but it's still a good rate. I think. Rec- I mean, I would take yeah. stuff to Record Theater and we're, get more than I ever expected for a collection of yeah. CDs. We're not quite at the point of CD nostalgia just no. yet. No, no we're not. Um, no. We're only barely into cassette nostalgia. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, you're talking about listening to the album and sort of staring at the ground. Well, you right. either be staring at the ground or... The album art, yes, yes, yes. another yeah, sure, big of course. thing with yeah. with records that I love is the fact that you have this great big beautiful artwork that you yeah. have, that you can mm-hmm. look at, you can kind of pour over some of some of them have the gate folds, you know, yep. you can look at picture of the band oh, or yeah. liner yeah. notes or like the or kind like, of stuff or posters like yeah, like I I don't listen to them much anymore. I think I I've sold them, but like the first couple Chicago albums have yeah. a ton of stuff in yeah, them. Yeah, they do. Like yeah. the second one's got a huge poster, yeah. and then like a, a like a book of like the like like th- well thought out like pieces of art for the lyrics, like mm-hmm. done in like calligraphy or stuff, you know. Or yeah. you listen, you look like a a, a Yes album, mm-hmm. and all the stuff that's drawn inside of there, and the way the lyrics are printed or the band photos are. Yeah. Or you know, I'm just trying to think of other stuff like oh the. Uriah Heep's live album from 1973. There's just it's there's like a 15 page huh. booklet of tour photos. Yeah, I mean it's just that type of thought can go in. It's a full package. 
Yeah. You know, that you you don't that doesn't really exist anymore. No, not not definitely not quite in the same way at all. No. There's less less art to it now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's some, you know, when you get vinyl reissues, I mean, we can get right. in that later yes. when we talk about sort of our buying habits, but mm. uh something else that Drew brought up too uh, is that the gimmicks of vinyl that he really likes, mm-hmm. like uh, colored vinyl? Yes. Oh, or okay. in some cases, like like there's this one Star Wars record that came out that when you spin it at the right speed, it displays like a hologram um, <laughs> because of the way because of the way it spins and the way it you know creates the illusion right. of movement. Right. Um, and he, he specifically mentioned a recording of Bolero, which you know as the Bolero goes on, it gets louder and bigger. Well, for reasons that we'll discuss later when we talk about the history of vinyl, a record sounds the the uh, fidelity of a record is better at the outside of a record than it is at the inside. Mm-hmm. So, to get sort of the the quieter parts with with less going on, they printed it in reverse order. Okay. So you play yeah. it from the inside out, so that as the record builds, you get better fidelity as you get to the finale of the right. piece. Which uh, that's really cool. Uh, that was that was pretty rare. Now I know I know they've done that for a record. You know, I wonder how often that's been done. I I know because I, I imagine more than we think. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nothing I own goes from gets played from the inside out. No, I don't have anything <laughs> like that. He was also mentioning too, like these little mini discs from Japan that were like the size of the label of a thirty-three and a third that you could play like on these little toy record players. Oh, like that a, would do- the yeah. Ryoko disc? Yeah. No, uh, I don't know what they're called, but uh, there's this great YouTube guy named Techmone who does a bunch of videos about okay. sort of this obscure media, things that didn't quite make it, things didn't take right. off. And there's one about that. There's one about the hologram record and all that kind of stuff. So Cool. Well, do we have anything else to add about we like about vinyl? Just the, I like the I agree with the idea of the gimmicky stuff. I like the colored vinyl. I have yeah, man. Some that picture are picture vinyl. Picture vinyl. I have some that yeah. are like 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 a marble kind of a color. I have yeah. a, I have a couple pieces of vinyl that are clear. That's pretty cool. Like clear uh, my copy of a Big Star's Radio City is that way. Really? Yeah, oh, it's clear. nice. Color me yeah. jealous. But yeah, yeah I mean man. it's uh it's neat that you can do those those things and it's I mean limited editions now. You certain bands will be like, okay, we're releasing this on vinyl, but we're releasing the first thousand copies are going to be. You know this limited edition clear vinyl or, or whatever. That should be a question I ask later on when we talk about we look for a vinyl. Is ask you if you guys have bought any limited edition vinyl or anything like that? Because I have a, I have just a a funny hey I remember that band anecdote later okay. on. Uh, but anyways, yeah, um, I will tell you I am hoping to on record store day. Yeah, yeah, we we talked <laughs> about that before we, were, before we recorded. Anything. We'll talk about it later. Well, if, I think for all done that, I'd like to jump right into the history of the vinyl record yes. which i think is really fascinating i really mm-hmm. do because in a way it's the first format war that we probably ever had um in terms of media yeah the phonograph was the first replayable media that we had right. sure you know it, it, it was that that was the first thing that we mm-hmm. had of course the phonograph invented by Thomas Edison right, right. in uh, 1878, something like that, very early. Edison chose to record on a cylinder, a wax cylinder. Mm-hmm. Yes. His first idea before the wax cylinder was a flat disc, but he didn't do it. Because, as we mentioned earlier, the fidelity of sound, he, he knew beforehand that the fidelity of the sound would get worse as you went inside the record. Right. As a first to being outside. So as a way to maintain aural integrity, 
he made it a cylinder so that way it, the sound quality would be constant throughout the duration of the play. Of course, when records sound the way that they did back then, this was pointless. Right. <laughs> there was yes. absolutely no reason to worry about this. Right. So he was, what, That's 75 years too early to uh, to care about <laughs> yes. what fidelity yeah. would be? Yes. So what? So a guy named Emil Berliner was the guy who sort of looked back at the idea of a disc and said, why don't we just... I mean, why don't we try this? Why, why don't we go back to the disc? Because because if we can if we can make the disc sound good, if we can you know present it well enough, it's easier to store than a cylinder. You can mass produce it a heck of a lot easier and cheaper. That, I'm and, sure a, a lot cheaper. You know, there's a lot less a lot less mechanically you have to worry about loading and unloading. Uh, I mean, let's let's try to make this work. So Emil Berliner chose to pursue that. Edison, however, was still really hung up on the idea of the cylinder. Like he really, he was really married to it <laughs> because Edison, like as the more you read about him, like he was, what, what, what do you call these people nowadays? Patent, uh, patent trolls. He was, right. patent he, was the, troll. he was the original patent troll <laughs> and he wanted complete control over every little thing. So like while anybody could really make vinyl records or vinyl record players, which led to why, you know, right. their, their quick growth, Edison was like, no. Cylinder is mine, and if you want it, here's here's the here's your forty page license agreement that you have to sign, <laughs> and all this, so I can have it, and I can have the profits, and of course, right, you know, when you do that, I mean, it's sort of like the Betamax story before Betamax. Like this is also Sony's fa- failing with the Betamax. Right, they tried too hard to keep everything in their control, and because of it, nobody else, that there was no competitive manufacturing. Right. And pigeonhole yourself. Yeah, right. Exactly. So because of that, the, uh, the the flat disc record took way off. Originally, the speed of of the record was, you know, we think of it as 78. Right. Right. But because of the fact that up until 1926, all record players, all turntables, uh, gramophones were wind up. Right. Right. So depending on like the variances of the spring... It usually was about 78 RPM. It could be anywhere between 72 to 80. It wasn't standardized. Sure. Right. Until okay. the invent until they finally introduced an electric motor into it which standardized it at 78. At 78. Okay. Um, Makes a lot of sense. And then later on, of course, you had the 33 and a third which introduced yeah. long play records in 1948. Columbia introduced that. Uh, I believe it was a giant collection of classical pieces that they that they had. Oh wow. Um and a little bit later on, uh, no, the, the very next year, 1949, was the introduction of the 45. So you had that uh, you RCA Victor come RCA up with a 45. Victor. And that's what we collect today. I got to go up into the attic. I, there's a, um, I live in uh, my wife's grandparents' old house. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a booklet of 78s up in the attic. Oh, yeah. I just got to look at them. I, you know, my, I don't have a 78 player. Yeah. I, you a roommate of mine loved to tinker so when i before i I moved in with uh my wife um back when she was merely my girlfriend we had a victrola and a columbia (gasps) crank wow and And it worked and but yep yeah because my my roommate like was into that stuff he was a tinkerer i mean he he had those and he had old cars that he liked to tinker with so he had two of them the uh 
the Columbia was the one that really worked. The Victrola he was fixing up at yeah. that time, but did the you Columbia all, was great. Did, did you have a big old box of needles? Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Of, like you have to replace like, them like, like every ten they, plays or something, and they look like knitting needles. Yeah, I mean they right. were just huge. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that that's another thing. Um, there's a great YouTube channel called Technology Connections, okay. and he goes. This guy will go and explain, you know, how all this stuff works and and why it's and why it's interesting and why it's cool and and why the design is smart. Yeah, and he talks about the 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 original needles of these seventy eight players. And it, yeah, you're right. If you do look at them, they look like sewing needles. Yeah. The idea being that if you make the needle easier to wear, then it'll produce less wear over time on the records themselves. Yes. So, so instead of using a stylus, like later on, you know, you right. get the diamond stylus, which right. could be very you know, expensive. He just said, well, let's just let's let's make the needles just really soft but plentiful and you could just buy a whole box of them for 5 cents. Yeah. And you could just replace them every about 10 plays or so and then you get to keep your records longer. Yeah. And and makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. it was brilliant. This YouTube video is a great job. I really I highly encourage you anybody listening to this to go check that out. His videos are wonderful. He does a great one about uh the magic of the VCR and and why that machine is so brilliant. <laughs> um it really is. It's a, right. it's a brilliant machine. What's the name of the channel again? Technology Connections. Wonderful. Please check that out. So I have a question in terms of this history. Yeah. So when they came up with the 33 and a third, was that like, was the technology there for it to be the long the long player? Yeah. Same. So right, right at its outset, it was 78, they were all short. Right. 33 and a third, they came up with that for a long player. And yeah, then they right. created the 45 to go to do some singles. Yeah, to, to do singles because, yeah. you know, you, you 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 use less material. Right. So, so use that instead right. of the 78 because the 78, you're still... Right. You still I mean, the 78 still kind of hung on a little bit until right. about the mid-50s. Right. People like to bring up, you know, Elvis Presley's first uh, singles were sold more on 78s than they did on 45s right. because of the quote hillbilly market because they had the family 78 the family the, victrola yeah, they had the old, and they didn't right. have the money to upgrade right. to a you know to a 33 hi-fi you right. know 33 well another thing about 33 the third real quick um is that when i say it was introduced in 1948 that's when it was introduced for the home market 33 and a third records did exist beforehand i believe its first major use was in sound films the first right. sound films okay. in the late 20s uh namely the Vi- the vitaphone system all right which used uh th- these really big 33 and a third records that you would have to play in synchronization with the film so okay so the record skips <laughs> it's out of, but oh. it, it produced higher fidelity sound than sound on film did at the time okay so it was preferred for a hot second really right. yeah it was preferred for a hot second until sound and film got better very quickly, and then, then they went to that. Okay. But that, and then also a little bit later on, thirty-three and a third. Those same thir- large thirty-three and a third records were used for uh, radio transcriptions. So if something was live on the East Coast and they didn't want to do a West Coast version, you would just etch it into in, into wax and then mail that off to uh, to the West Coast, and you could play a repeat. There's okay. a, a funny story about those those kind of records. The uh, when I listened to uh, the audiobook of uh, Dick Van Dyke's biogra- autobiography, and one of the, his first jobs was he worked at a radio station where he um, had these uh, had these records on them that had like station identification, oh yeah, recordings, and mm-hmm. also uh, weather. Like, based on what the weather was, it was like he probably had thirty of them, and so based on what the weather was that day, you put one of these on, 
that would just say, hey, it's going to be sunny and, and really nice out or whatever. Yeah. And, and they were just like well-produced, well-recorded things. Uh, he in the Early in his career, he put on the wrong record and said there would be a tornado warning. <laughs> no, not, not a tornado warning. It said that there was was a tornado bearing down seat cover, and it was a day well. of like blue skies and sunshine, but it was uh, it was the late nineteen it was the late 1940s, early 1950s, and people... Even though the weather had did not substantiate this record right. playing at all, people freaked out and called. Of course they did. And yeah. he uh, he wasn't fired, but he was very very close to being strongly fired. reprimanded. Reprimanded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his job was threatened for for a yeah. while for that. So. That guy had like every career in show business yeah. at a certain point. Yeah, uh, working his way up for a long. I believe his like his first on screen appearance was for a Terry Tunes cartoons was, host. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> CBS Cartoon Theater hosting Heckle and Jekyll cartoons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It has a very interesting history, that man. And now yes. he doesn't act anymore, but he's in barbershop quartets and taught himself how to do 3D animation. Yes. Because that's the kind of person Dick Van Dyke yes. is. Yeah, he hangs out in his uh, in his house with his computer and he teaches himself how to do 3D animation. And, uh, <laughs> and he has vowed he will never retire. Yeah, good, good for him. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love people like that who are just like, eh, I'm going to do whatever I want and excel at everything. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, like his, his barbershop quartet, of, they've won competitions. Like that right. dude is so sharp. Very, I, I I only hope I can be as sharp as he is when I get that old. Yes, when I get to be that age. Exactly. I, can, I only hope I can be that sharp now. <laughs> How about it? Yeah. How about it? So now that we kind of went through a little bit of history of the record, what are some of our personal histories with it? I know, Andy, you you kind of started a little bit there talking about you know your dad bringing home records. Yeah. Yeah, my dad brought home a lot of records, and so that was uh, that was neat. And there was something just so much more tactile about about records than than the digital stuff that I got into my sophomore year in, in high school and moving forward. Cause I got into like digital video editing at that point where, right. every, where there was no physical media media. You, everything was, was digital. But I, I began to appreciate pretty early on the, the sound quality was just so much richer and so much deeper and better coming from these, these records that my dad had. And at first I just thought they were, that was a product of these German speakers that he had brought home from Vietnam or mm-hmm. from his time where you're supposed to be in Vietnam. He was in Germany, but mm-hmm. But no, I uh, I quickly started buying some records for myself because I had an easily accessible turntable at home mm-hmm. with with what my my father's setup was, mm-hmm. and um, he had this wooden cabinet with this uh, big swinging glass door that where he had his uh, yes. receiver, Classic. yes, where he had his receiver and he had uh-huh. his uh, he had a uh, a tape to tape deck. You got to have one of those. Yes, he, he <laughs> had, and he still has that that same setup. But reel to reel. Yeah, real to real. He had a real to real. Yeah, he still does. Yeah, you should That's come over amazing. sometime. Yes, I should. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I love real to real. I would love to get into that, but it is so expensive. Oh yeah, well, he's got one. And he probably hasn't used it in thirty years, but he's wow. got it. Um, but uh, no, I, I found an almost identical cabinet to the one my dad had, and uh, I was just, it was a chance situation where somebody had this almost identical big beautiful wooden cabinet, and they were like, oh, five bucks. And I bought that. And yes, that, please. Yeah, I bought that, and that kind of like that sparked it all. So then I got myself a turntable and a receiver, and I I started buying records and uh, like well, in, finding bands I liked and going in from there. college. You had that one like little dinky record player. That I did you kept in the kitchen. Yeah, I had a, I had a, I geez, I, I think I got I threw that one away because that was such a piece of garbage. But yeah, even now I think I have like four, four, three or four turntables in my house. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a, yeah. one that hooks up to my receiver. I have one that's uh I got for Christmas. It's like a a US no, it's a, a record player, CD player, AM, FM radio, and an iPod dock all in one. Mm. I got that for Christmas one year, and then one that would uh, transfer your records uh, to MP3s mm-hmm. if you really wanted to do that. But um, not all of them are uh, are direct or 
all of them are uh, belt drives, and I, I have yet to own a direct drive. Mm. I, I would really, really like to at some point. Direct drives are nice. I know that's my main. That's my main one is a Marant sixty-one seventy. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit. What's uh, <laughs> what, what about you? What's uh, um, well, I uh, I had a guitar teacher when okay. I was, you know, when I was uh, probably eighth grade through high school, who really only listened to vinyl. Yeah, that was. Um, he he thought the sound was you know the, all the stuff the sound's so much warmer it sounds so much richer everything sounds better in, instead of this crystal clear digital digitized yeah. stuff that's on CDs and our ways of the lessons were basically saying I want to play this song and we go and listen to the record and <laughs> nice. he'd you know he had the perfect ear so he'd listen to it he goes okay it's this 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 and this yeah. and so we'd be the lessons were playing along to the records nice and and so it's he had so he had all that so he had just a huge vinyl collection in his basement and we just play play along to these records and you know that's where i first heard all the the backwards masking Paul is dead <laughs> stuff from the beatles cuz he would yeah. he was like he heard this like yeah. i mean he was he was really cool and so we would listen to that stuff there, and then around the same time, I had a friend's father who had like an old cabinet with a glass, yeah, and then the the stack of records, and that was you know uh, high school trays, uh, beginning of obsession with prog rock. So <laughs> we'd go over there, and his dad nice. was a huge prog rock fan, was in a prog rock band in like high school and college. So we'd go and listen to. You know, yes, and Genesis, and uh, Gentle Giant. Gentle Giant, and I think I he had. I think, I think he had a, a, like a gr- an album from this. It was they were like Baroque prog, like Griffin, Red Queen to Griffin Three. You know, so Why it was, a, know that. It was like a prog band that it had a bassoon in it. You know, that, yes, that, that, yes, <laughs> yes. that type of stuff. Mm, more pretension. And so we, we li- yeah, so we would <laughs> listen it. to all that stuff like there, and it was just like, yeah, you know what? It it does sound better. I love. These yeah. vinyl records, you know, but my, my parents had gotten rid of all theirs. And yeah. at my grandmother's house, my oldest uncle's records were still there. But he was almost 10 years older than my dad, so he was like a folky. So it was it was all Kingston Trio records that I, I wasn't yeah. really interested in at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, uh, interested, I'm interested now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pete Seeger, baby. Yep. But yeah. uh, eventually in college, uh, my roommates and I decided that what we wanted to do was line the walls of our apartment with album covers. So we went to a store in Richmond, Virginia, Plan 9 uh, Music. Okay. It's a great record store. And just bought as many uh, albums that we as we could that we would want out of this dollar bin. Yeah. So we could plaster yeah. the, the, the album art on the walls. And after college, when everybody left and part of their ways and everybody went back home, I ended up with all the vinyl. <laughs> I had all the vinyl. Um, sweet, sweet dollars, yeah, dollar yeah, bin sweet, vinyl. Dollar vinyl. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but, you know, sometimes that stuff in the dollar bin plays. Like, sure, there's a yeah. copy of Alice Cooper's Love It to Death in there that I, that I can still listen to. Nice. Like, that's good. um, so that's not always the case in the dollar right. bin. So, so yeah. Good. So there was, there's a lot of stuff. So we brought it home. Um, and I stored it away for a while because I was like, I, you know, I'm not sure, I don't have any player, a record player or anything or turntable. I'm not sure what to do with it. And then a few years later, uh, a friend was, got a new one who was getting rid of an extra one and i just mm. thought i'll take it i took it yeah. and then i went like i said in the outline i went to the uh to the peddler flea market that's in on elmwood that's where oh, yeah. that's where i that's how i was introduced to revolver records that's where he would go oh, sell before his yeah. store he did, in his I garage know, yeah. in there 
And I bought uh-huh. I bought like a, a copy of Larry Coryell's Spaces and Fleetwood Mac's Bare Trees, and all right, there I, you go. I've just been spending way too much on vinyl ever since. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, Bare Trees? What, what, what it's one of the Bob that? Welch years, so 1972. Okay, so. Post Peter Green, pre, post Peter Green, pre pre Stevie Nicks yep, and all pre that. Okay. Buckingham Nicks. Yeah, so Bob I'm Bob completely Welch. unfamiliar with that era. Yeah, wasn't um, what's that guy who joined the cult? Was he in that at the time? Oh, that guy. What is his name? Jeremy Spencer. Oh, Jeremy Spencer. I don't. He, think, was he in that or he, he was in there, but point? he wasn't on Bear Trees. Okay. Like he he was like post Peter Green for like an album or two. He was still yeah. around because he like came in. Peter Green brought him in and then he remained for a little bit. Yeah. But he was not. He's not part of the Bob Welch era. Yeah. I think like an album or two before Bear Trees was his last. Interesting. It's it, it interesting yeah. like when you get everything on vinyl, the history of that band, how many different it's, incarnations they that, went that through before they became the Fleetwood Mac that everybody yeah, but b- know, before thinks they about when they a think pop Fleetwood music Mac. machine. Which yeah, it's, it's still it's good that, pop music. Brit, Brit blues rock. Right. Thing. And it's still good pop music. Christine McVie's a great song. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Landslide, one mm-hmm. of the best songs. Wait, is mm-hmm. that That's not Christine McVie, but that's still that, a good well, song. No, but but is that Fleetwood Mac or is that Christine Mix? Uh, isn't it a Fleetwood Mac song? Is it on it like is. Tusk or something? It's on one of those. Yeah. It's, not, it's on a post Rumors album. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it is Rumors. Tusk. I don't know. I don't I'm know. not a huge fan of Rumors. So. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, but okay. uh, Christine McVie is still a great songwriter. Yeah. Though, so I, I still appreciate. I'll still it, let you be here. That's fine. Like you make but, loving fun better than yeah. Landslide. You make loving fun. <laughs> yeah, that's a great song. <laughs> I'm just in good news. That's a great song. <laughs> yeah. Um. Secondhand news. That's the name of the second hand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's so. That's my history. Yeah. I just mine. Uh, I kind of grew up with records for a little bit, and up until I was about five or six, we had a record player in the house. I remember my parents having there's this little forty five for like exercise, like kids and a little kids exercising record or something like that that okay. I liked. <laughs> I don't remember nothing about it. I just remember what it looked like. I don't remember how it sounded at all, but. Uh, listen to that and that and the Superman soundtrack on oh vinyl. We gracious. had listened to that oh, wow. uh, uh, quite a bit. Um, but my parents got rid of it. Uh, well, they didn't get rid of it. They just put it away because well, now we have tape cassettes, and, <laughs> and so why would we need a, oh, why would we need yeah. a record player? Exactly. So you know, and my my parents are uh, were, were very into at the time the kind of music that we listened to a lot of was things like or things like. Uh, Amy Grant and uh, my dad really liked this band called Glad. Okay, are you familiar with Glad? I, 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 I know. I grew, I I grew up in an evangelical Christian household. Oh, and uh, Glad was a acapella group that did some hymns and things like that, but also just, but it was like a very jazzy kind of acapella kind of stuff. Okay, that my dad liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. I grew up listening to. Yeah, I, I remember being interested in, in records. Like I remember going yeah. like, going to the basement and, and rediscovering the records and be like, what's this? How can I listen to this? And my parents would be like, no, we're not setting that up. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, Stop it. No, just, yeah. Just, just don't worry about it. And I, I think eventually what happened was I, when I was a teenager, I was just like, no, I want, it, I want to know about this. And so I dug up my, some of my parents' old records. And... So I, so I brought those upstairs and I brought my parents' old record player, but it was a belt drive and the belt had since snapped. So I oh, couldn't listen no. to it. Enter a family friend who had a beautiful Morantz direct drive turntable and just said, 
I'm never going to use this again. You want it? I was like, <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah. Oh, man. So, and that is the record player I have to this day. Oh, That's nice. gorgeous. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Mrs. Nancy Swearinga. You are wonderful. I appreciate uh, your contribution to the cause. <laughs> yes. Um, she, yeah, so she just let, let me have it. She's like, I'm just glad it's getting used. It's great. There you go. And I replaced the needle on that sucker. I got to replace the feet on it because the feet, the, the springs, I'm missing a couple of the springs and they kind of lost their their uh, bounciness, I okay. guess. I don't know. Right. There's, a, there's a technical term for that, I'm there sure. Is. But they, they've lost that. And so I got to replace those and it's. You know, but I love that that record player. It's wonderful. Did either of you ever encounter the like one of the old like Fisher Price kids record players? Oh, I had one. Uh, Drew actually I, put that in the notes. Okay. Did you see that? No, uh, I no. did. I actually did not he, see he, that in the he, notes. He, at this he put point. that in the notes. Like I had one of these when I was a kid, and you <laughs> yeah. should talk about it. I was like, okay, I don't yeah, know what, what to talk about it about, but there you go. Yeah. There was one at my grandma's. Yeah, and I made the mistake of digging out one of my uncle's old Yardbirds <laughs> records and trying to play it on that <gasps> thing. And it sounded fine to me, but I'm sure I, I'm sure oh, like I don't. Yeah. Nobody, nobody knew any better. I was a yeah. kid. My grandma didn't know anything about him. Nobody's yeah, in the house anymore. Sure. So yeah. I listen. You know, I played, listened to Heartful of Soul on a, <laughs> oh, no, on weird. a on a Fisher Price record player. That's bizarre. Yeah. And you, we're, we're gonna it's say okay. Something? Yeah, the um, it's interesting. Just the the divide because when I was, I remember I had this vivid memory when I was in kindergarten, which would have been. Oh gosh, eighty nine, ninety, uh-huh. something like that. Yeah, that we would go to the library, and they would we would sit down on the uh, sometimes as a group and sometimes just as like two or three at a time. We would they would put a record on, and it was one of those children's records that has the storybook built into it. Yeah. So whether it was like um, Peter and the Wolf or Winnie the Pooh or whatever. Yeah, and uh, and they would put a record on, and that was what they had. It was nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, and so they and I so I remember that being very much a part, and it wasn't like the novelty; it was that was the format. Yeah, and so yeah, I did. I was one of the first kids that I knew that had the ability to burn CDs when I was in high school. But I very uh, much grew up with the analog stuff. Yeah, and then got the digital stuff in my mid teenage years and college and whatnot. But my first job that I had out of college was a I worked with kids, and I did a Christmas party where I was working with kids, and I put on I brought my record player because I had from my grandparents I had a couple dozen uh, Christmas albums, mm-hmm. um, of like compilation Christmas albums. They were, Oh, yeah, you brought those to college I once. did bring those to college, yeah. and they were great. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I put, so I set up the record player, and I put this, I took the record out of the, the sleeve, and I put it down, and this one kid's just looking at it with these big saucer eyes. I said, wow, what's that? Is that, is that a new, a new format? Is that a new thing? <laughs> and that's the same kid though when I made a reference to Superman changing in a phone booth looked at me and said what's a phone booth and I'm like I will <laughs> yeah. I will knock this kid out yeah. <laughs> for making me feel so old so at, de- at so 23 old. oh my goodness well, but no I, it's just yeah. amazing that it started I was a big deal in my in my childhood and yeah. and I it impresses kids with his novelty early early in my 20s which just seems like such a, a quick turnaround yeah well, another question I wanted to ask you guys too: Do you guys remember what the first record you guys bought was? Do you, do you remember that? Do you guys yeah. do you guys have stories of that? I, well, I it was you. a well, it like was, bare trees when I yeah. went. Yeah, yeah. There was a, there oh, was yeah, a stack of them. Bare yes. trees. Yeah. Larry Coryell's spaces. Yeah. Um, was that a Plan Nine? Records that you bought? That? No, no, was, that, was, that, that was that was yeah, when that was I the, like right, first. Yeah, the, yeah. Oh yeah, beyond the stack that we bought yeah. to decorate the wall with, it was uh, at the mm-hmm. the Peddler Flea Market on yep. Elmwood. Yep. Andy, do you remember? 
I see you racking your brain over I, there. I've been given a bunch by, like, I I would say that I want to get into rec- uh, collecting records. And the thing about that, I feel like the community of people who are record enthusiasts, yeah, it's not, they're not looking to make it exclusive. They're looking to expand the ranks. So right. like everybody that I ever met who I said, I'd like to get into vinyl records, they, I would leave that conversation when they would give me five records. Yeah. They'd be like, here, here, you need to own these five records. You need to own these five records. So yeah. I, I had accumulated a bunch just from people giving them to me. Yeah. I, I I did that with my Led Zeppelin. I had the first four Led Zeppelin albums, and I think it was uh, my our, our good friend Chris Herman's uh, wet for his wedding. We he he didn't really have much of a vinyl collection, but me and Drew were just like, let's just give him the first four Led Zeppelin albums, <laughs> and so yeah. I did that. Just be like, he's starting a record collection. Yeah, might as well start with these. Right. And I think the first time I bought records for myself was with you. I went to the Bop Shop in Rochester. Oh yeah, man. And I bought three records that day. My, my first time ever buying records. It was a uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Nice. Uh, Simon Garfunkel. Yeah. It was um, the best of Herman's Hermits. Yeah. Right. And uh, it was the the re-release of uh, Beach Boys Pet Sounds. So there was like a, a green nice. a green colored record and a yellow colored record. One was in stereo and one was in yes. mono. I have I have that okay. one as well. And uh, yes, yeah, so those are the three I bought. Uh, that was my first record purchase. Yep. Wow. I remember my first record purchase was in Parkersburg, West Virginia, which is where my family is from. My extended family, I should say. My, I, I'm I'm from Rochester, New York, but my parents are from both from the Parkersburg, West Virginia area. So we were down there visiting family, you know. And down there, they had this uh, used music store called the Sound Exchange, mm-hmm. and we kind of, you know, went in there. And th- this was shortly after I had, you know, finally got a, a working stereo system together, put a working stereo system together without a preamp, mind you. That's something <laughs> interesting to note is that when I listened to records, I would crank the volume all the way up so I could hear this buzzy audio coming out. Of it. But I put up with it because I just thought it was so neat. Yeah. Um, anyway. So I went to, yeah, so, so my dad just took me to, to the sound exchange just to kind of look around, you know, get, you know, get me out of the, get me out of the house for a little bit. And we were looking at the used records and he pulled one up for me and said, this one, this one's awesome. And it was (laughs) Foreigners 4 because he saw the back of it that had Jukebox Hero on it. He's like, that's a great song. You know, and I was like, okay, cool. Because I liked, you know, I, you know. I really like that era of rock and rock yeah. music, seventies. That's that's kind of where I just first discovered I liked music. Yeah, was listening to things like yeah. bands like the Doobie Brothers. Yes. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah, I picked it up and I loved it. I remember I paid. It was three ninety eight. <laughs> I took it up to the counter, three ninety eight, and my uh, my my nana, uh, who was still with us, thank the Lord. And she had a one of those all-in-one record player things, you mm-hmm. know. Oh, okay. And so we, I, I got to listen to it on that, and I was like, yes, yes. All right. I'm, I'm now a record collector. Yep. yep. It was that album, my very first one. Wow. Do you guys remember what your first limited release? Because we were talking about limited release stuff or or whatever collectors things you bought at band concerts, anything like that. Because I I, I could tell you what mine was. My first limited release vinyl that I bought was I don't I don't I don't even remember the song but it was a Reliant K song. <laughs> Do you remember when they did that? Yes. Yeah, this is like in 2004, I think. It was a little like yeah. Oh red, yeah. a clear red single. Was it uh Five Iron Friends is either dead or dying? Yes. That's it. <laughs> I've actually looked looked yeah. around the internet to buy one of them and they were always too pricey and I never Oh, really? Yeah. One. I bought it when it was $10. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, um, there you go. Yeah. There was uh, the one now that you mentioned that the one I bought was a, a smaller uh 45. It was uh it was uh an 
a limited edition EP by F- the band Five Iron Frenzy, and uh-huh. it was called Miniature Golf Courses of the United States yes. Present Five Iron Frenzy. Yes. And it was just this, they, they made, just I think they said they made like 2,500 of them and put them on their website and said, we made 2,500, we're never making it again. Buy it if you buy it if you want. Who cares? Yeah. And you got it. I got it. Yeah. Wow! Yeah. I remember that being long sold out when I was interested. Yeah, no, I, I picked that up. I was I was really really into that in high school. Yeah, Five Iron Frenzy. It's legit. It's legit. Even I, if you're put off by the Christian any Christianiness of it, <laughs> it is it it has held up music. surprisingly well. Yeah, it has. So. Not not a lot of uh, not every Christian music artist has f- right for certain, but that one has. Yeah, yeah. That, it's one, it, one of the few, and that too was my upbringing. Nate, Nate the few, was, the proud. The Five Iron Frenzies. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Nate, Nate was raised um, in an evangelical Christian home. I kind of was too, to an extent. Yeah. And that was uh, that was definitely something I. Well, yeah. I I didn't have Amy Grant. Luckily, I was just told like whatever you want, as long as it's kind of in that genre. And so I went <laughs> with I went with uh, the nineties, late nineties, early two thousands, third wave ska. Yeah, man. That was my skank, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that <laughs> was my plug. my wheelhouse. Oh, mustard plug. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh, I was listening to some second wave ska earlier today. This the specials. Okay. And um, it's the Selector. It's a good band. Too much pressure. <laughs> Pressure's got to stop. Um, so with that having been said, getting, getting out our... Wait, Trey, did you have... Did you I actually, I vinyl? have not bought any limited releases yet. I, I pretty much... I, oh, I yes, strictly right. stick to, to vintage mm-hmm. stuff, but this year on Record Store Day for the first time, there mm-hmm. are two Grant Green... Limited releases. Now, uh, now, who's Grant Green for the He's people, a jazz guitarist. Yeah. Really famous for being on Blue Note. Uh, mm-hmm. From 1961 through 1969, nobody appeared on any on more Blue Note recordings than he did, mm-hmm. uh, both as a leader and as a sideman on other uh, on other people's gigs. But the, uh, the non-profit uh, label Resonance Records is releasing a few batches of unreleased, previously unreleased live recordings mm. from his funk period. So uh, a, a, a three, a three uh, record set of a couple concerts in France from 1970, and a two record set of one from Vancouver. 1970 is and very 1975. Early funk. That's very early funk. And yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to them. They're only releasing 1500 worldwide. On vinyl, oh, wow! I, they're going to put more. I mean, they're, they're releasing it on CG, CD and digital <laughs> how too. How much? How much are they on vinyl? Oh, uh, they're they're very pricey. Okay, right. <laughs> I, well, I can imagine. Say if it was like I mean, bucks, I can say no. If it was thirty bucks. I might go. For no, it. I don't think it's going to be thirty. All right, well, I think it's going to be like money for the Midwest gaming class. I think it's going to be more like like seventy for the three disc set and, Actually, and fifty for the two. That's seventy for a three disc set for limited. For new edition. vinyl, that's, that's about right. But yeah, new vinyl, not... new vinyl to me is expensive. Right. Oh, very, so, very like, it to is. me. But it so, is. but like, I'm, I will throw down the money for the, this. The one, only so time I'm going to go will... stand in line at some yeah. door at five a.m. on record store day to make sure I can get it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only time I will buy uh, new vinyl is if either it's never like there is no vintage to buy. Right. Mm-hmm. Or as is sometimes the case, the vintage is more expensive than the new pressing. In which case, yeah. I'll just go for the yeah. new pressing because yeah. I don't want to spend that much money on right. a vintage yeah. That's vintage what's going to happen if you want to buy a Blue Note record. The right. vintage is going to be worth much more than, yes. you know. So I settle, I settle for merely good-graded copies of Blue Note stuff. <laughs> right. I can still listen to it and be fine with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, with that having been said, kind of going through our personal histories, now seems like to be a good time to take a quick break. So we'll be back in a little after these messages uh, of old stuff, and 
I'll, maybe I'll find a good Ronco record commercial or something. All right. The Ronco record vault. Um, but uh, anyway, all right, we'll see you back in a bit. This is it. My Ronco record vault. I still remember the combination. Three. People, what was the title of the 1967 Who LP showing Roger Daltrey in a bathtub full of baked beans? Record Archive is the place to go. In our Record Archive back room stands a vast selection of quality used records, a treasure trove of all kinds of music, even many, many records that have been unavailable for years. We've extended our hours, open 10 till 10, Monday through Saturday. The answer, the Who Sell Out was the album. What's up, geeks? Just want to remind you of our fantastic YouTube channel. Next time you go to the Geekiverse on YouTube, be sure to subscribe. That way you don't have to search or hunt or find or look for anything that is our great content. Then it'll go right into your YouTube feed and then boom, you know what's happening when it comes to the Geekiverse. Then share it with your friends. We want other people to join in and tell us if you don't like it. We don't care. We're just having fun. We want you to have fun with us. Be sure to subscribe, share, favorite, like, thumbs up, thumbs down, up, down, left, right. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. So let's get to the show. Geekiverse YouTube, do it. We asked some of Record Theater's describe the Record Theater's size in one word. I think it is huge. That's five. It's humongous. It's huge. That's four. It's real nice. That's three. Humongous. Awesome. That's two. Record Theater, Western New York's largest selection of albums, cassettes, and compact discs. Oh, they have a lot more. Yeah, I usually come here. I usually don't bother going anywhere else. The Record Theater, 1800 Main Street and in the University Plaza, Main at Kenmore Avenue. It's a big star. What's up, Geekiverse? Just want to remind you of all the social media that we have that you can use to interact with us. We've got Facebook. We've got Twitter. We've got Instagram. We've got Snapchat. Just search for the Geekiverse, the underscore Geekiverse. It's one of those two. It's pretty easy to find. And like us, subscribe to us, follow us, whatever you have to do to make sure you're getting constant updates from us. Be sure to share it with your friends, and we would greatly appreciate it. Because, you know, we're all about a family here. But let's get to the show. Oh, no, it's not. That record isn't ruined. Don't believe me? See, the music's unharmed. This is Zenith's remarkable Microtouch 2G tone arm. Because the needle floats within the tone arm, you can drop it, even slide it. It's impossible to accidentally ruin your records on Zenith stereo. In fact, the needle pressure is so light, your records last far longer on a Zenith. And you get the greatest stereo separation in a complete home console. And now, another new stereo achievement from Zenith. The Solid State 240W Amplifier with an amazing 240 watts of peak music power. To bring you the most spectacular stereo sound ever heard from a complete home console. Exclusively at Zenith Dealers in a selection of fine furniture cabinetry. At Zenith, the quality goes in before the name goes on. Hey everybody, welcome back to the second segment of The Memory Machine. We're, in case you're just joining us, which is impossible because this is a podcast, <laughs> but uh, still talking about vinyl records. Um, if you missed the beginning of the show. If you missed the beginning, if you just sort of zoned out, hi, we're still here. Yes. One, yes. two, we're talking about vinyl records. That's the um, baritone Nate Lockhart has. Yes. That's right. It lulls the listeners mm. to a peaceful slumber. Yep, you're falling asleep in the dish basin when you're washing your dishes. Listening to these dulcet tones. Is the second half of this going to be an ASMR <laughs> podcast? <laughs> Get the vinyl records. That's good. 
Um, anyway, <laughs> so I thought we'd kick off the second segment talking about what our buying habits are for records, what we look for in a collection, what we look for in grading, what what our what our preferred haunts are. Um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. What uh, anybody want to lead us off on that discussion of uh, buying habits? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I would. I whenever I buy, I if it's something older, I tend to look for an original uh, release in good condition rather mm-hmm. than buying a re-release. Um, as we said before, if it if that's cost prohibitive, if it's you know astronomically expensive to get an original and, and a re-release is very economical mm-hmm. then i'll do that but if, if at all possible if it, if we're talking you know apples to apples i, I do prefer an original uh, to a re-release but um i've uh i like to go to some some local places like i i used to go to to record theater back before it's untimely demise in buffalo yes. but mm-hmm. uh, but i do go to record baron on occasion just because i i used to work down the street from there so, yeah so i'm familiar with where that is and i can get to it easily so that's yeah. even though the you know yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not the, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, but um, he, yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's a little so, overpriced, a little bit, uh, but yeah, uh, unorganized. But no, it just depends on what I'm into. If at that point, you know, usually it's a lot of '60s and '70s pop. Mm-hmm. You know, your your grassroots, your Beach Boys, your um, that kind of stuff. I yeah. bought uh, Steppenwolf album there. I bought a uh, Iggy and the Stooges oh, record mm-hmm. from there. Which Steppenwolf album? Uh, the very first one. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. One of two good Steppenwolf albums. Uh, uh, yeah. What's the second good one? The second one. Oh, the second one. Yeah. I'm, I'm partial to Monster because I like the oh, long yeah. Monster. Yeah. I like the long Monster Yeah, suite. Monster's good. You're I right. like that You're one. Right. That's what I'm partial to. Yeah. That's me. I, yeah. If it, was, if it came out in 1969 or 70, I'd probably yeah, like yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kind of with you on that. Just something about that era of, of yeah. this very specific era of music. Yes. Um. But what about you, Trey? What what where's your where's I'm, your vinyl buying stomping grounds? Uh, I go to I live basically right around the corner from Revolver here in Buffalo, so mm-hmm. I like going there a lot. And I like you know it for me it's it's music I'm going to listen to. I'm not yeah. you know I guess I say I'm not so much a collector in that regard as it is it's it's how I like to listen to music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, warts and all. Um, yeah. so I'll, I'll go to you know Revolver. He always gets uh, tons of batches of of uh, of vinyl. People are just bringing it in all the time. So he's got you know a ton of stuff, and it's there's always something interesting in what he puts out mm-hmm. each week. His new arrivals. Yeah. Like I said, uh, was it last weekend or a couple weeks weekends ago? I went and um, like I said, I bought a. He had a Buddy Miles them changes, and I'm a big yeah. Buddy Miles fan. Um, yeah. His just his sort of rock and soul stuff he kind of does is is great, and a Young Bloods live album ride the wind which is mm. the one they released after rock fest was it rock festival or rock concert they released like two live albums right in a row what, what, what year was it 1970 Nin- yard, 1970. Yard birds, 1970 so uh, young bloods oh young bloods yeah. i'm sorry so this was like jesse collin but they yeah. had lost their one of their third members so it was just a trio they released the album in 1971 yeah. but it was recorded in 1969 and it's it's almost a fusion album by then. So Get Together is on mm. it, obviously. But all the yeah, other that's songs the only Young Bloods thing. I'm all the other with. songs that are on that album, they're like jamming them out. And it's it's a lot in a lot of the cases it's it's bass, electric, piano, and drums. And it's some jammy stuff. It's a, it's an interesting mm-hmm. album from them because if you know yeah. them on the radio, they're known for poppy stuff. Right. Um, 
And having yeah, any, you, you know, the young buds, Andy. Oh, a little bit. Come on, people now, smile uh, on your brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but That's they, this album is just really good, and they're like, you can tell they've been hanging out in San Francisco out west because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because their intr- instrumental chops are are good, but yeah. they jam all this stuff out. But mm-hmm. you know, you can go find that at a record store for for cheap um yeah. and it's like it's a, you know oh i've never heard this before and you put it on and listen to yeah. it you know there's there's a lot of stuff by older bands that i tend to like that because because of how it is you ne- you'll never hear on the radio anymore yeah. you know no you know so i i try to find stuff that like i don't usually hear but yeah. that i'll like so i'll play it like you know he's got a lot of Redbone albums in there, and you really only know yeah. like "Come and Get Your Love" by yeah. Redbone, but like their yeah. early stuff, they're, they're like a good rock band. Really? Yeah, check yeah. Them like out. their first couple albums are like really, really good. Yeah, but yeah. they like they came up with a pop hit. But they huh. they were they're pretty good. Like huh. so, you, I find I try to look for stuff like that. that yeah, that like I I haven't I'm not totally familiar with, but I know that I'll like to listen to. And yeah. there's some stuff I'm familiar with that so, I'll, that so I'll of course, been, grab because I want to listen to it. But So so lately you say you've been getting into into, into jazz. That's sort, of, oh, yeah. that's sort of where your focus is yeah. now. Is, yeah, is that's where I... Jazz yeah, and I, funk. And I look for old, like, soul jazz. Like, yeah. guys play the Hammond organ. Jimmy Smith, I have a bunch yeah. of Jimmy Smith. Or Charles Erland, who's a guy from Philadelphia. He's got some really good stuff. Yeah, because um, that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah. I'm sort of, I, I'm on look up for jazz records. Yeah. And uh, funk stuff like Tower yeah. of Power, you know. Yeah, I like Tower of Power. Or, uh, the yeah. Ohio Players, you know, mm-hmm. that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like the real, the real hardcore yeah. funk in, stuff. In terms of yeah, I look for Brubeck too. There's a lot of good sure. Brubeck stuff that yeah, I think Brubeck's good stuff that you that's beyond you know your Take Five stuff. Like, yeah, right, right. You know, Andy, what what are your uh, buying habits lately? For like in, in terms of like what kind of music you're picking up? Um. What are my buying habits lately? Um, like, I, like what kind of music? You know, we talked about where you where you go to buy your records, but right. but what what am I buying? Yeah, what what days? are you buying? Yeah. Um, there is, I, the uh, the Brian Seltzer Orchestra put out an album called The Jazz Age. Oh yeah, I, I really like that. Yeah, album. I listened to that. With so you. I yeah, I, I enjoyed that one. I I like music along that style. So I've been keeping my eyes open for uh, for music like that. Uh, I've been listening to uh, speaking of jazz, uh, Illinois Jacquet. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been listening to his stuff a little bit more lately. Yeah. Um, I also like, and I've been criticized for this because it said, oh, that's, that's your, your typical hipster thing, but that's, I guess, fine. Uh, I, I like the I like the Mountain Goats a lot. And so okay. The, well, a lot of people like the Mountain Goats. That's fine. Right. No, I like the Mountain Goats, <laughs> and I found they, uh, they did a side project at one point uh, called The Extra Glens. And then somebody said, they, oh, my band is named that, so they changed the name to The Extra Lens. Just I, I to, thought it was vice versa. Oh, whatever. I don't remember. Yeah. Oh, it, 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 they were one, and then they became the other. Whatever. Yeah. Because yeah. you can find almost all the songs by that side band under both, both listings. Yeah. So if you can't find yeah. one with it, yeah. and they did uh, this one, um, they an album called uh, Martial Arts Weekend that mm. I've really, really, really been digging lately. And they it's a, it's all original stuff except for they did one they they, they covered a, a Phil Spector song. Uh, yeah. Uh, Memories is the name of the song. Okay. Mm. Cool. I'm I'm getting. Uh, a little bit more, uh, just a little bit, a little smattering of rap and hip-hop, too, lately. Is it something that I sort of grew up uh, being a suburban white boy? I yes. thought, you know, rap, you can't spell, you can't spell rap, you can't spell crap without rap. <laughs> yeah. 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 Being yeah. a big snot-nosed jerk about it. Right, right. Uh, but then I listened to De La your... Soul's Three yeah. Feet High and Rising, I was like, oh, Oh, <laughs> oh boy! Oh, so are I've you been wrong? Are so, you about to enter your first yeah. rap phase? Uh kind of here and there, like, <laughs> like, 
like a lot of stuff like the like the, the kind of clubbing stuff i'm not really into right well yeah yeah but like i there's like a certain style of rap and i think tribe called quests yes album the fir- their first album really fits it the low yeah. end theory really fits right. into that yeah it's the kind of rap music you would think that you would listen to at like 2 a.m in the morning on the way home from the party right or just you and your friends like yeah. talking about life like yeah. and the meaning yeah. of it all like like that is my kind of yeah. rap music is just like the, the pensive kind of stuff yeah you know and i i, I like yeah. yeah yeah like that or the, you know or, or um i guess i would say influenced by everything's influenced by what came before it right and yeah. in, in terms of tribe called quest you know there wasn't a ton of rap that came before it so they, no, they sample not, a, lot, not a lot like they sample a lot of jazz and stuff yeah. there's a there's an ear for melody yeah, and there's stuff that's not yeah. uh, prevalent in it, you know the club, the dance hits. I guess you know yeah. today's I mean, it's just, dance. It's just stuff you could just enter like into a trance into. Yeah. you know, uh, and I don't mean that as a dig. Like you know, people will say that about like electronic music, yeah. but this is sort of more of a like a like, much more pensive. Yeah, you know? it's a thoughtful. Type yeah, of thing, really, really thoughtful music, a, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna get in that too, along with just other stuff. And I like to find too. Uh, old really old christian music like from like the 70s so oh, like yeah. andre crouch you jesus, know andre jesus crouch. rock from the 70s yeah jesus rock oh, from yeah. the 70s oh yeah, yeah that stuff's actually a lot of fun there's some like, wild and yeah. crazy stuff there. there is some wild and crazy stuff because yeah. like the christian rock music that came out like in the, from the 80s up till now is sort of like it's a teen ministry aimed at teens yeah. to get them like yeah. music but like jesus music that came out in the 70s were drugged out hippies yeah who came to jesus and this right. is the only way they know how to express right, themselves yeah. like and uh oh, your thing fell off. Oh, that's okay. um, that's but, like yeah, this. What it is? It's still themselves. like psychedelic music, yeah. but they're still like it is out there. They're not man. trying to like yeah. hook anybody. They're yeah. just writing about what they believe and know. What, what they believe and know. Right. I actually think about there was one. There's an album I found, and it's not a Christian rock one by any means. But um, there was a local band in this in the late '60s and early '70s around Buffalo called The Road. And I've um, heard of them. Yeah, they 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 had a minute like a tiny hit with their own version of the she's not there yes uh locally yeah. Yeah. Uh, lo- i think even beyond locally but they yeah. were a local band but uh, yeah. and but so they they kind of like their first album was kind of almost like seems like they're like a, a vocal group or they're mm-hmm. just like a hit maker group and it's it's just they're looking so like they're in the late 60s and it's and it's the picture of them is in delaware park and <laughs> in, in here in Buffalo. it's a local picture Weird. so you're like what's the name of the band again the road but they released yeah a I, uh another album called oh um i'll have to look it up yeah. uh, when i when i get off mic here in a second but an album in in like 1971 or 72 and they got a uh a new uh a piano player who who's locally and i think he's the or he was he writes a ton of the jingles for local companies around here i forget his name and i think he played the organ at sabers games he joined the road and i think this is the story i think he was really into scientology so this album <laughs> is a big like scientology concept album wow. and you can i think there, there's one song on wow, it wow i've got to listen to that there's one song on it on uh, that you can find on youtube yeah. called i want to go clear Oh, <laughs> oh, boy. Um, oh boy. But but like it's it's not a bad it's not a bad yeah. song, but no. it's like jazzy and it's of its time. Yeah. And yeah. like they're they're good singers in that band too. 
There's a lot of good harmonies in that song, but yeah. I think it's called like "I Want to Go Clear," and I have it. I think it's called it's called Cognition. The album is called Cognition. The Road Cognition. It's pretty good. I yeah. enjoyed it when I listened to it, but it's all it's it's a Scientology like concept that's album. Wild, <laughs> man. Wild. But, but that's like a lot of the cool stuff that you can find going to these record stores. You could just yeah. dig up this weird, weird stuff. Sometimes just in the dollar bins. Yeah, yeah. Like I've you know I, I found that going into uh, going into Revolver, just being yeah. like. Oh yeah! Oh, cool! The Enter the Dragon soundtrack, awesome! <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna take home this funk masterpiece. Yeah. Or um, um, my favorite, my, my big haunts is I, I like to go. I'm from Rochester, uh-huh. and Rochester is extremely blessed with things that I specifically like. <laughs> so, <laughs> like people, people, you know, when I moved out to Buffalo, people would say, "So, so what do you like better, like Rochester, or Buffalo?" I was like, "Well, Rochester." But it's only because it very specifically caters to my interests yes, right. in a way yeah. that no city really should. <laughs> so, um, but uh, like seriously, they have you know a giant thirty-five millimeter film vault and arcade bars and all like yeah. Stuff. We're gonna um, get an arcade bar here in Buffalo. We, soon. I don't know why we don't. We're gonna get one soon. Are we really there? <gasps> they, they, it's actually, more. it's been in. It's been in. I think it, their plan. It's been in planning for like a year. They, it's his name is. Uh, it's it's the basis for Stone Sour. Johnny Chow. He's really? like a bar manager for. It was a bar manager for like ABV on <gasps> Allen. So he he knows like Schatzel, and he. Oh I think God. he's. It last year they announced it. He's going to open a barcade somewhere on Main Street. That guy's going to make think, so much money. And I think they're oh, working. And I think they're so working money. on yeah, it. I, I think like the target. I, I haven't seen anything in a while, but I think the target date for it opening was. Oh Within a year of, uh, or a year after, I'm going to go there they, once. This a was week. first announced. So, so, yeah. so there's going to be one on. Uh, yeah, it's going to be. There is going to be a local barcade soon. Finally, yeah. yeah. So Finally. Wait, this this guy was in the band Stone Sour. Yeah, I think he still tours as their bassist. That's so. Fu- I re- I listened to them when I was in high school about you know 2002 yeah. 2003. I think he still tours as their bassist, but he's like lives in Buffalo now. <laughs> <laughs> that's phenomenal. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, I only know their one song, but that's okay. But my main uh, record stores that I like to go to when I go home in Rochester is that they, they there's two big ones. There's the Record Archive, and there's the Bop Shop. Oh, God bless the Bop Shop. And the Bop Shop is the one that I went to the most. It's the one I still I think prefer over the two. Um, I really like the people that work at the Bop Shop. Not to say that the people who work at Record Archive are uh-huh. bad. I like them too. But but. Uh, there's a real passion when you when you go the to, the, to the bop shop and there's all sorts of i mean of, of every stripe that you can name well both of them are like that but 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 it's a lot more condensed it's, it's the bop shop's a little easier to navigate it's more it's a, just a friendlier store is i have a whereas question. the record archive is a just giant warehouse oh, okay. filled with everything okay and yep. it's it could be a little overwhelming okay. and and you don't always know where to find everything right. and the only and this, and the staff uh-huh. might, you know, the only person who really knows where everything is at the record archive is the guy who owns it. Okay. Whereas, you know, at the Bop Shop, everybody knows where everything is, and they have very specific ideas for you, you know? All right. <laughs> which is cool. You That's know, nice. Which I like. I've only been to one record store in Rochester, and, like, the door's like a bottle. You walk in the door, and, like, within a foot is the wall, and you got to go up another little staircase. I even forget the neighborhood. Is it Lake... Lake something records. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's near. Um, it's near where my sister lives. She was. We were able to walk to it mm-hmm. from my sister's place. Yeah. Yeah, but I forget great. exactly. But I've only. Been, I've never been to. I don't think I've been to the record archive or the Bop Shop ever. Then. Oh, those are great. Great stores. I really recommend them. They're wonderful. In fact, that time that I went to the Bop Shop to buy my first ever records. Yeah. 
um, he, I, I said to the guy there, I don't know if it was the owner or just one of the guys working there, but I said, you know, I'm getting into collecting records. I've, I've been, some have been given to me. Some, some Kinks albums have been given to me, but I want us to start collecting records. And he goes, oh, so you've never really purchased them before? And he said, no, not really. And he said, oh, and he gave me a bridge over troubled water for free. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Probably because he had 40 copies of it. But but it was still just a nice gesture of like, oh, you're getting into it? Well, well, welcome. Here you go. And yeah, was, right. so I, I, did, I only paid for Herman's Hermits and the Beach Boys. Yeah, that, that, that was when they had the store at the Village Gate Square. Yeah, I, I really like that. I've been to both locations. I, really, like, I kind of prefer it when it was at the Village Gate. Yeah, I'm sure they would too, but the new owners kicked them out for a restaurant. Um, How which, dare they? Yeah, that was, that was a very sad time. I mean, luckily, he was able to find that new location. Yeah, where is, new location is great. Where is it located now? Uh, it's just barely in Brighton. Okay. So, like, right yeah. on the line right. on, on Monroe Ave. All right. So, you go, yeah. Monroe, it's, it's right there on Monroe Ave. It's a green awning. Can't miss it. All right. Uh, do you think we can take a podcast field trip? Oh, we yeah, should. I will have <gasps> to go. We should do that. We podcast should. We, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go. We'll do one in the Buffalo area. And we'll Re- recorded yeah. live from the yeah. record barrier. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, uh, you know, though, I do, uh, I do want to say one more thing that is cool about the Record Archive. Uh, I mean, Record Archive just has so much. Yeah, stuff uh, of all stripes. They also have like there's a little VHS part too. So like I picked up the Green Slime on VHS, <laughs> which is pretty cool for like five bucks. I was pretty oh, proud of that purchase. Um, you can find lots of. I I got like sometimes they have like old Genesee beer like antiques that you can buy. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome because it's just around. You know, it's, it's stuff. Did uh, you get actually, that there? I got I got that locally. Oh, okay. uh, there's an antique store right on Robinson. That's where I bought that. Oh, okay, yeah. Cool. Um, which you would probably know because that's close by to where the Ghost Light Theater. Oh, okay, is yeah, I know what stuff. you're talking about. Yeah, um, but anyway, but yeah, the, the Buffalo, the, the Buffalo stores are, are are good. They're getting better. Yes, I remember when I first came out to Buffalo. Really, all there was well, there was the Record Archive, which their vinyl selection was often. Weak. Oh, would you talk about? Record theater. Record theater. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, record, record theater. theater. Yeah. yeah. Record they got theater. better. They re- got toward the end of their. Days. Oh, did they? I never. Went I think they the did. Days because my impression, my first impressions were poor. Yeah, I think it got better. I think once yeah. Vinyl Resurgence came around, like I, yeah. I knew them mainly in high school. I, I went there to buy CDs. Like I didn't yeah. look at. I didn't look at. That, you know, that's something too. I didn't mention uh, about my experiences that I really got into vinyl collecting before anybody thought it was cool. In fact, people thought I was dumb for doing it. I remember well, you uh, showed tell, them. Yeah, I sure did. And people <laughs> tell me, it's like, dude, why don't you just buy a CD? And like, because vinyl's cool, man. Yeah. Look, it's cool. It's cool. And everyone was like, no, it's just another dorky old thing that Nate's into. And then right. all of a sudden it came back. And right. was, for, for once in my life, I yes. could be like, I told you so. I told you. Right. Yes. And now you can yeah. stock now your you're collection. All at, yeah. Yeah. Right. And now you can stock your collection at Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So. That's weird. <laughs> Hey, you know. Hey, but people are getting onto it. Hey, people, people getting onto people are enjoying it. More power yeah, to them, right? Man. Yeah, I find out about I've it. Bought a, a few, quite a few records, uh, used records from Record Theater. Yeah, in recent years before they. But closed. but it was sparse at first, though. I, I mean, think so, especially at the at the time that I'm thinking of, like oh eight oh nine. Yeah, it, it was sparse. There was the Record Baron, which we mentioned before, and he's it's uh, the store's a little erratic. Yeah, um, but it's definitely getting better. Uh, Revolver is Revolver is, is a really great place to the go. The, the guy who owns it, I don't remember his name. Phil. Uh, Phil. Phil's, yeah. Phil's a really. He's so friendly. Yes. He is so helpful. Um, oh yeah. I remember one time when I told him I was getting into laser discs. Like he spent so much time trying to dig out 
one laser disc that happened to come into a collection. He's like, it's Beethoven. Do you want it? It's just like, yeah. no, oh, yeah. not really, but thank you. And he's he like, will, well, I got it for you just in case. He will look up that stuff or I'll walk in and be like, go to that row and that thing yeah. and look at it. That's something yeah. you like. Yeah, they, I, they, you, you'll you'll like you'll like that row of this of these new arrivals. Yeah, I got stuff in there for you, and it's very fairly priced. Yes, it's not it's not outrageous. No, uh, it's got a great little listening corner. I love that little yeah. listening corner. You can just kind of disappear from the rest of the world. Yeah, he's. Yeah. It, I will say that his inventory has increased to the point where that listening corner now has record crates in it because oh, really? he needed he needed more room. Uh, but he still yeah. ha- he still has a listening station. It's still sort of over there, and you okay. can sort of tug away. But it's not the booth that it was. Was he, yeah, he had yeah. to blow that, that out nice. to put more records over there? Yeah, I don't blame him. No, no. I mean, <laughs> I, when I, I really don't believe it's going to be long before he outgrows that. No, space. I mean that's the thing is he's yeah. outgrown. He's the he's the best game in town. I yeah. Think, so. There used to be one very close to me, High Fidelity Records. It was on Main Street in, in, in the city of Tonawanda. The city of Tonawanda. It didn't last very long. I think it's just. A lot of people just weren't taking the records there, so they didn't really yeah. tend to have much quality stuff. But their prices were way too good. Way that too that good. might be one of the reasons why they're not there is because their prices were just too good. There's one on um, Delaware in the city of Tonawanda. Yeah, I, I've been I, there once. I've never been to that it's, one. I just it, know it's, it's there. It's very messy. Is it? Yeah, it's well, very, but he also has some stereo equipment, if you want old yeah. vintage stereo equipment and right. some of that stuff. Um, I bought a copy of the J. Giles band, uh, Freeze Frame. All right, him. there you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> Freeze Frame. Uh, which uh, I know as the Rochester Americans theme song. Oh, it still is. They're it still, still is. Selling. It's still freeze frame. So they still play that as they come out on the ice. To me, that's the that that means it's hockey season. <laughs> um, that's a good song to play. At sports. It is. It's a, a great song. You, uh, I, I find that you tend to put different songs in different seasons. So like that song oh, yeah. is hockey season. I remember in college we listened to uh, "Feel So Good." Yes, that, that I was, was our. You bring that up. That was yeah. our. That was our late Chuck, spring, early Chuck, summer. Chuck song. Mangione means oh, yes. uh, the leaves are busting out. Yes, that's what that means. That means to me. that spring is in full. <laughs> spring is coming. The temperature uh, is on the radio. You can put the windows down, <laughs> driving your car. Yeah, <laughs> I just think of King of the Hill and everything. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, my, my favorite little bit is it's. It's one that was intended to be a series finale, but then it wasn't because it got renewed. That was one where Lucky and Luann get married. Yes, and he's playing. He's playing the, he's the funeral playing the march. wedding march, and then it goes. <laughs> it goes <laughs> so good. And like even even if you think that's like pop, like listen to years before that, he's a good jazz musician. He even if he, he, he's a great you know he played that's a that's a good and that's a good pop jazz album, but yeah. like good. You want to get into? He was in Art Blakey's band for a while. Yeah, like he's a good bop trumpeter and oh, flugelhorn yeah. player. He's oh, like a sure. really good musician. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from Rochester. Yes. So there you go. Oh, wonderful. His, his brother Gatman Giordi yes. plays concerts all the time mm-hmm. in Rochester. Mm-hmm. But uh, have there been any other cool record stores you guys have seen on travels? Um, I well, like Plan Nine in Richmond, yeah. Virginia. I think there's another. I think there's also one in Charlottesville. I think they had to, you know, to take it once, take advantage of the college crowd at the University of Virginia. Yeah. But in Richmond, that was my case in Princeton, I found a cool yeah. record store like that in Princeton. Yeah. But yeah, I went to the University of Richmond. So Plan Nine is right there on Cary Street in the. Uh, Heading, you're making your way downtown. That was a great record store. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I thought of that that I that I love. Um, and I. I I I went started going there before I really got into vinyl. Our fa- my family used to, and still once in a while, we'll all travel to Cape Cod 
for mm. a couple weeks or a week for a vacation. And there is a on Route Six in Orleans, Massachusetts, on Cape Cod, is a store in a Victorian house called Instant Karma Records. Sweet. So it's like it's and it's a, it's like a part souvenir shop, but they got a big vinyl collection. I remember nice. when I first went in there when I was like thirteen or fourteen. Um, I bought a couple CDs, but they were bootlegs. They were a live Roger Waters bootleg and a live Jethro Tull bootleg from like Japan in '72, where they were playing nice. all of Thick as a Brick. And he's got he's got a good record collection. He's got a good CD collection. The guy's a deadhead, so uh, the <laughs> yeah. Dead and Great uh, and Jerry Garcia live live recordings are playing in that store the whole time. Yeah. But it's just a cool little like quirky shop in this Victorian house. Yeah. Um, that reminds me you know, of uh, Zounds a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and it's Niagara just Falls. it's just set up in the rooms of the house. You know, nothing's like blown out, but you know, yeah. here's where the living room was, and here's you know you buy the CDs here, and in in this hallway is the vinyl. It's called Instant Karma. It's in Orleans, Massachusetts. I, it's just awesome. a cool little quirky place to yeah. go into. Yeah, those are one of the best ones. Yeah. I, I'm sure if Drew were here, you'd tell us all about Zounds and yeah. Niagara Falls, okay. which yeah. I've never experienced. Oh, but apparently, yeah. the house is condemned. <laughs> so that that the records are so yeah. when you go there like you he just he'll bring out crates to you at a time yeah. you could leave through yeah like, I guess I don't know this is all just what Drew is what yeah. this from what Drew from what I can remember Drew telling me um, yeah a couple but, summers I went into this instant karma for like the first time in like ten years and I was like oh mm. it's yeah. good to be back here. I just yeah. smelled the patchouli. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man. Patchouli I'm so glad. I was like, I was mm-hmm. so glad it was still there. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was like a rainy day. So I was just like, I'm gonna go dri- we're going to go dri- driving around. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. Um, what, what about you, Andy? Any record stores and travels that you can think of? I don't travel nearly as much as I'd like to. And uh, I have well, a fa- lot of your family is local. A lot of my family is local. My wife's family, a lot of them are from Pennsylvania, but they're from real rural Pennsylvania. Yeah, there's and not much to check out store wise. Exactly yeah. right. I remember when I was in college at uh, when I very the early, early, early thoughts of vinyl. There was a uh, record store in Indiana where I was going to school, and I was told, "Oh yeah, they got pretty good stuff. They got pretty good stuff." And um, you remember that uh, scene in the Blues Brothers? where they go to the bar to play, and they say, what kind of music do you guys play here? Yes. And they say, we play both kinds, country and western. <laughs> yes. Um, it was a record store that was recommended to me, and they had both kinds of music there. Country, <laughs> they had country and western and Christian. And, <laughs> oh, and all three. And that was and that was it, because I was looking yeah. for, uh, I was looking for, uh, I wanted some Ramones. And, oh. uh, and they were yeah, just, they were, and they just, out looked, of luck. and they looked at me like, that's so well, okay, you, you know, you northeastern heathen. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm like, well, is Buffalo really northeastern? But we didn't Here's have Here's Rocket to Russia. Now get out of my sight. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, they just didn't have it. They were just like, you yeah. should listen to Merle Haggard. And yeah. I'm like, well, that's fine, but yeah. also, yeah. also the room. <laughs> also, yeah. Also. Here's Jerry Lewis. Here's Jerry Lee Lewis doing the hymns. Right. And <laughs> um, so I believe that is where I purchased uh, the, the Muppet Show album that I, pl- I play for my kids now. Yeah, that, yeah. that album's fun. We listened to that together in college once, I the believe. Mu- the Muppet Show Volume 2. I don't have the Volume 1 album, but... Yeah. I will say out in Chicago, there's a lot of good record stores. Reckless Records is kind of a chain in Chicago. Okay. There's, there's okay. several throughout the, the... And they're really good. I mean, Chicago's just littered with great record stores all over the place yeah, you know culture yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that too 
Um, especially just like blues albums are so cheap out there because oh, they man. just litter the darn streets. Of course. Whereas in like everywhere else, you know, like in Rochester or Buffalo, you know, blues albums, you know, specific yeah. blues albums can be a little harder to find and yes. get a little pricier. Yeah. yeah. Not Chicago. If you really want a blues album, just take a trip yeah. out to Chicago. You get like you can get like arms full for fifty bucks. Nick, can you can um, you take my me wife on has a, been telling me like Oh yes! Chicago. Find <laughs> me it. a Big Mama Thornton record. Yeah, nothing doing in Buffalo. There's there's one at Revolver for forty dollars. Oh, She's like, don't spend forty dollars on no it. No way, no way. But there is one. Go to Chicago. There's You'll one find one for his, five bucks. Yeah, there's one. Yeah. I mean, and it probably is a forty dollar record. Yeah. She's like, yeah, we don't need to spend forty bucks. No, Big Mama Thornton's great though. Yes, she is. Her version of How Dog Superior. Yes. In my mind. Yes. Um, to the Elvis Presley one. Yes. Um. But, but there's that I did see that that cool one in Princeton. I because I used to go on choir tour when I was in college, and every every big city we'd stop to we, we'd stop at we'd try to find a, a cool yeah. record store, and the the Princeton one sticks out in my memory. Right, that I've, was a really cool record yeah, that, store. That is a good one. Yeah, I have been to there. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. I mean the the West Virginia one is just it's very small, it's tiny. There's not really a lot, but yeah, it's special to me. You know, of course. the sound exchange in Parkersburg, West Virginia. See, now you've got me thinking. Next time I go visit my wife's family, I should really like hunt down a record sh- record store and see if sure. see what. Well, I can she's find. Lancaster, right? Lancaster, Lancaster. I'm yes. sorry, Lancaster. That's how the <laughs> the locals pronounce it. Yes. You got, well, what is that near Philly? Uh, you're an hour and a half from Philly. Okay. And there's some decent stuff in Philly too. Yeah, of course there is. Philly's huge. Um, there should be decent stuff in Philly. I'm sure, a lot of great soul. Oh, I'm sure. Um. Well, let's wrap up the discussion. Let's get talking about our stereo setups, but oh, sure. that doesn't make for very good listening. I don't know. Does it? Do you want to talk about that? I we t- can. T- t- tell me. Tell me real quick. Give me your quick rundown. Quick what, rundown. Are you, what, are, what are you listening to? What are we listening to this, these records on now? I've got a. Uh, it was like a hundred dollar Sony turntable. It's uh-huh. not fancy. It's not pretty, but it gets the job Sony's done. Sony's not a bad brand. Yeah, and uh, and I have a again a hundred dollar receiver. It's like start the brand starts in O, like O. On Onik Okanko, whatever. It's, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever, whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever that brand is. So yeah, it's like a cheap turntable and a cheap receiver, and I've got some uh, Sony bookshelf speakers that they're hooked up to and placed yeah. throughout my living room. And it's uh, and so I have a cassette deck, record player, uh, a track player, um, mm-hmm. and I, I used to have a DVD player hooked up exclusively to be used as a CD player, but I don't even do that anymore because if yeah. there's something I have on CD, I can just call it up on a streaming service and not bother with the CD. So CDs actually become pretty obsolete for me. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I uh, my my main one. I mean, here in the game room where we record, I have a little RCA record player and a and a very cheap stereo I found across the street from my good friend Connor Martin's house for five dollars, um, and it's okay. the 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 stereo is clearly dying at this point. There's a lot of static. It probably just needs to be cleaned out, but nah, I don't know. About. But then my main one is in the living room, and I have a Marantz 6170 turntable that I love dearly, mm-hmm. and that is attached to a thrift store find of a receiver that cost me, I think, about five bucks, and then I got it tuned up at high fidelity for about 30 and it's a very nice Philips receiver that I, that I really like, and that's hooked up to just some speakers I found, and it works. It does a job. Sure. What about nice. you? I have uh, a U-turn Train. orbit. Um, it is uh, my wife bought it for me for my birthday a few years ago. Yeah. It was a Kickstarter campaign. Now they're their oh. own company, but she contributed to this Kickstarter for this orbit, and it's it's really good. It's really simple. It's got yeah. you know a good platter. Um, it's 
rotates by via belt but it's an exterior belt that you sort of put on yourself and it's it's mm. it hangs okay. it, it's it's really interesting because when you when you're when you're putting the belt around hooking it around the platter you're, you're like I don't know how this is going to work because it it hangs on it very loosely it's not like a tight belt yeah. but that's how it's designed so it's designed loosely so just do it and rest it against it and it's kind of you know it just it sort of through friction stays against it and it works really huh. well but it's it's a good uh it's a good um record player so i use that and i have it through a um a yamaha receiver that i just i it was my father-in-law's i i sort of had crappier equipment and i upgraded it when my yeah. father-in-law didn't have didn't need uh certain things anymore and and a set of speakers and i forget the brand but i think they're the they're the same ones my father-in-law had at like the late 70s early 80s but he wow. he, he kept nice. he took care of everything so they still work well but That's yeah awesome. um I love my I love my turntables. You turn audio. It's really simple. I have to look that um, up. Really simple. Good, nice weight on on the arm. So so everything plays pretty well. You yeah. know, nothing not nothing not much knocks uh, knocks my needle out of whack. That's good. If there's a, if there's anything on the surface. So yeah, that, that is something that drives me nuts about uh, my Marantz is that when you replace the needle, you have to make sure that uh, the screws like if you have to replace the whole cartridge yeah, yeah uh or not the cartridge but the, the whole head yeah you have to make sure that the screws are perfectly aligned because otherwise you only get one channel of sound and oh, so you have yeah. to make sure it's it's a pain in the butt yeah until i figured out how to more easily change the needle um but yeah so let's let's wrap up the podcast talking about what we think about this whole vinyl resurgence we, we're almost 10 years into it i would say at this yeah. point this, right. this vinyl resurgence to the point now where it's almost at a point where we could be nostalgic about when it began. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do we think about where vinyl collecting is going, where record collecting is going, where record listening is going? I feel like it's you. You can like a whole bunch of different kinds of music, but there's something about having it on a record that it's it is that physical medium we've, we've talked about. But it's also in a lot of cases like a trophy. Yeah, I, I really do believe that there that. In our brains, there is this like uh, all these uh, um, endorphins that get released when someone talks about, "Oh, I really like this album." And you can say, "Oh, I've got that on vinyl." Your brain just gives you this, yes. this, this hit of superiority. Yeah, yeah, like, this yeah. hit of like, "Oh, that feels good to, yeah. to be able to say that." So I feel like there's, it's mm-hmm. uh, it, it kind of satisfies the collector in us, but it also it's it's very much like it's a trophy. Like I like this band so much, and it's a level of credibility. Mm-hmm. I like this band so much, and it's <laughs> and it's so important to me yeah. that I instead of just streaming it on Spotify like everybody else, I own a yeah. great big beautiful physical vinyl copy of it that's the way i feel about like uh I have my, my one of my absolute favorite bands is big star yes. and i have big stars number one record on a on white vinyl Ooh. that was pressed in germany in the 80s and it's just like oh, <laughs> i have this i have this super special print run of this yeah, of this one album you. And everyone else, go screw yourselves because I have the best. Right. <laughs> but uh, if you find an old regular copy of that album, call me because I, uh, I I want that. I absolutely I will Badly. absolutely. I love that album so much. Oh, I listen great. I listen to it constantly in college. You remember? Oh yes, yeah. In your <laughs> all little, the time, in your little apartment. Yeah, my little apartment all the time. Big Star, Big Star, and Velvet Underground. Mm-hmm. I, uh, do you remember when it began? Like the final resurgence? Like because for me, I was like. Well, I've already been doing this, mm-hmm. and to see you come back was just like, 
they're making new stuff now. Like they're making new vinyl again. Yeah. And I can and I could buy I could buy this stuff with new bands. Yeah. I like you remember getting hot hot heat on vinyl? I do, I got yeah. hot hot heat and vinyl, yeah. <laughs> and I mean it was like two thousand five, two thousand six, Coldplay started re releasing their entire back catalog. Yeah, like XMY yeah. and parachutes and all that. Yeah, yeah. and uh yeah, parachutes and uh Rush of Blood to the Head, all those albums that had been out, I think it was around the time XY came out that they said, oh, we're, we're releasing this on vinyl and our back catalog, too. And it yeah. seemed like that was the point, at least for me, where I started to notice it more, that current releasing bands were, were doing this. Mm-hmm. I think it's been, like, the past five or six years, though, is where it really, yeah. resurgence has really, like, kicked off. Yeah. I think there was, like, a slow build for five years and then just yeah. a flood. Yeah. I mean, you can't go to a concert today without being yeah. able to buy vinyl. Right. You right. know, I, I, and I tried, I haven't been to a, concert in a long time but every time i go i make sure i make a point that if i enjoy the band at least a little bit i will i will go out of my way to try to buy the vinyl and i've got a bunch of cool stuff miniature tigers uh the high risers fun's first album and i think a lot of uh yeah that 70s 60s 70s 80s music is becoming back in vogue again with yeah i mean with the, the first guardians of the galaxy soundtrack Everyone's, yes. Everyone seemed to adore that. And then they said, oh, we're yeah. releasing that on vinyl. Everyone says, well, of course you are. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? And uh, and you you get that on vinyl, which and then you say, oh, well, I like this format. And, mm-hmm. I, uh, and I like these bands, and I can get the rest of their catalog also on vinyl. Yeah. And that seemed like, yeah. maybe not that album is exclusively, but a lot of that, the resurgence of that kind of stuff. And even now with the release of, like, Ready Player One and everything, that's just yeah. so, that's so drenched in the 80s that I... I would, you know, bet you my lunch money that album that that soundtrack will be released on vinyl oh, as well. Oh, yeah, of course, and cassette um, probably. Yeah, and cassette, right? So, yeah, it's. I think that the the you know the back in popularity of '60s, '70s, and '80s music um, helped that along a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think you know speaking to the tangibility of it, I, th- I think that speaks to our generation too, where so much is so easily had on digital. Mm-hmm. That yeah. having a physical of something does is is much is very special to us, mm-hmm. in in a way that, you know, like maybe our parents would look at it and just be like, well, it's just junk, but for so, but for us, like so much of our lives is is digital, it's just ones and zeros, it's stored on our phone. So to have a record of something is it's a special experience. It's yes. something to look forward to. It's something to cherish. I think it's one of the reasons why pinball is coming back mm-hmm. because pinball is such a physical thing as yeah, opposed yeah. to something on you know a game on your phone or even on your TV. Right, it's a real thing that you can go up and play, but it has video game ish aspects to it that you can enjoy as well. Yeah, and I, I yeah I do think that that's a big uh, part to play in it. I wonder if. Cassettes will come back as hard as vinyl. I, I don't see like it some happening. Some people wanting and trying them, but right, yeah. But I, it's, it's I, I interesting. Don't, I don't though. see it coming back as hard. I don't see as vinyl it either. Does. But but it's interesting because vinyl's coming back, and yeah. it's not a very portable medium, no. right? You know, it's, it's you're you're really going to listen to it on your home stereo. You're not going to be able to take it out on a run with you. No, in your car. Um, I mean, it's portable. And cassettes, cassettes really aren't very portable anymore because they don't make Walkmans, yeah. and and car stereos don't have cassette players in them anymore. Yeah. But if records could make a comeback, maybe cassettes can. But it's yeah. But 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 a lot of other factors need to happen. The fact of the matter is, you had, um, you there were a lot. You probably had old turntables. And speaker and, and stereo system sitting up in the attic that you could pull out and play right. the vinyl on anymore. 
if you had a tape recorder or a boombox, it has probably been trashed. Yeah. You probably there's. there's I, I think it's it's more likely to find an old you know record, record player. player in storage than it is to find an old tape player to play yeah. whatever tapes you're finding. R- records but, uh, turntables are much simpler machines as well than mm-hmm. tape cassette decks. Right. Tape cassette decks are much more complicated. Yeah. There's a lot more moving parts. There's a lot more that can go wrong. Yeah. That makes them a little bit less less uh, able to stand the test of time. Right. In but a you way never know. Can. Maybe they could. Maybe these things know. go in ways. I mean, honestly. Maybe CDs are going to come back in vi- 20 years. Like, yeah. you never know. I mean, vinyl really. <laughs> I mean, if you think of. I, I did some digging in with the, with the Techmone channel, uh, YouTube channel. And, and really, I mean, vinyl really isn't. It is not the high water mark for for audiophile listening. No. If you want that, you want reel to reel recording. Reel to reel tape can sound incredible. Like I can't believe how good reel to reel tape can sound. It, it boggles my mind because you think of because when I think of tape, and I'm sure when you think I think of tape, you think of tape cassettes and you think of the tape hiss and yeah. you think of things like that. Right. Um, well, that's you know because tape cassette tape is very thin and. And it's meant to record at a, at a at a slow speed, so there's not as much audio density. Right. But with reel to reel, you can record at different speeds, and the tape is thicker. Yeah. So you get more audio information if you record that audio information at fifteen feet per second, or fifteen in, uh, inches per second, as opposed to the tape cassettes three and a th- uh, three and three quarters inches per second. You get a lot of audio information. So yeah. if you really want to, you can get yourself a real high-end TAC, reel-to-reel tape, and a copy of some Miles Davis album yeah. for $400 <laughs> and <laughs> well, listen to it that way. Yes. Uh, but I don't see that taking no, off I don't the same way well. that Vinyl no. does. There's the economics I don't think that, that, well. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think Vinyl's going to be around... For a while yet. Oh, I think it will, and right. I just hope there's like, for, like for me, it's primarily a used buyer. I hope the used market stays around. Yeah, we'll see what happens as it as it, as yeah. it, it goes forward. I mean, some people do turn ins their n- more newly bought records. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so occasionally, you'll see that yeah. when you're looking through, and, and like you have, and now you have companies mass remastering and re-releasing older records that are sure. on vinyl, like. Yeah. You know, there's that's how I own Kind of Blue. Yeah, so it's a repress. Yeah, it's, it's a and it's like you know, the past few years, basically, you know, Grateful, every, the Grateful Dead cat, catalog yeah. has gotten a re-release, and mm-hmm. you know, Hendrix certainly has Zeppelin stuff. I mean, there's people are repressing new vinyl, yeah. so you know, I mean, and that's good if it's coming back, and you know, yeah. they're they're making uh, and the record companies are making money and staying afloat. If it's a way yeah. for them to stay afloat, it's great. Yeah. I mean, do I ever think it'll be like big, big, big business? Probably not. No. But I could see it sticking yeah. around. Right. Honestly, just kind of the way it is now. Yeah. Us us enthusiasts and but. people who are a little bit, you know, more serious about music listening and collecting yeah. and maybe not getting much beyond that, but Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good way to wrap this sucker up. Uh tell us, Andy, where can we find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, handle, the handle is like a sailboat. There you go. Like a sailboat. Follow that guy on Twitter. Trey. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Trey Wittish. 
T-R-E-Y-W-Y-D-Y-S-H. Mm-hmm. And you can find me on the Geekiverse, too. I uh, yeah. Weekly, I have a feature called Podcast Obsessed, where I just take uh, one of my uh, favorite episodes of a podcast that I've listened to in the back week, uh, the past week and recommend it to you all. So I cover a lot of stuff. It's mainly been Earwolf and Max Fun stuff so yeah. far, but that's hey, what I listen I, to most of the time. Hey, thanks to you, I've discovered Hello from the Magic Tavern. Oh, so well, You're welcome. Uh, yeah, thank you for that, <laughs> because yeah. that podcast is wonderful yes uh and i'm nate lockhart you can find me on twitter at nate underscore lockhart i tweet about a lot of old video game stuff and uh you know the state of the world uh which is very sad but the old stuff is fun yes take a listen or take a listen to this you already did take a watch to my twitter and you know i Stuff comes up on Geekverse. This gets posted on the Geekverse. I'm trying to come up with articles and stuff, but I'm a very, very slow writer. So maybe you'll see that in two years. I don't know. We'll find out. (laughs) Um, Anyway, this has been The Memory Machine. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back in a couple weeks, probably with a Midwest Gaming Classic wrap-up. So once again, thank you for listening. Love you. Bye. He's just jerking his guitar off the whole time to show that he, show you that he can. I hate Van Halen.